Radioactive. Oh. You know what that sound means. Welcome to Heinecast, the internet's number one Taylor Heineke fan podcast. Well, it was another successful night for Big Heine last night. The Big Heinster, they they came to play. <laughs> they were fucking wrong because the Heineke kicked their Heine keys. Yeah, it's great. Philadelphia. It was great to see a, a young quarterback seize the moment and get play against a superior opponent and really take it to him, and that's why I gotta give Jalen Hurts props. <laughs> you know, because Heineke's the best quarterback in the NFC's. God, did you see the beef that's like between Kirk Cousins and Taylor Heineke? No, I didn't know they had beef. I guess after the game, uh, the the Commanders players all, you know, Heineke took his shirt off, they all put their chains on Heineke, the fucking thing that we're all doing with every mid-white quarterback now. Um, Ever since you know Perk Thuggins emerged uh, from 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 the Vikings locker room, uh, and the Vikings players got really upset about this and were like tweeting at all the the Commanders players, and like "Yo, y'all not us! Like you'll never be Kirk! Like all this shit." And so I guess they're like going so back weird. and forth now about this like very strange like I don't know, man. I don't want to get too deep into this because it's not a big deal, but like that whole thing makes me uncomfortable. Like I, the whole thing is like weirdly racially coded to me. I don't super love it. I find it painfully lame when ESPN tries to like roll with it. Like they had Adam Schefter do it on a football broadcast. Like, nope, stop, don't do this. Yeah, it's like, funny. Like he's like a nerdy white guy, so it's it's funny. See, see, this is this is a behavior you would you would expect of a of a young uh, a young black teenager with with the swagger and uh, and and not learning. a middle aged white man. It's subverting expectations. I was like, ah, stop. So, but in reality, we're just avoiding talking about the painful existence that is being a Dallas Cowboys fan. This is Boys Will Be Boys. I'm Andy Gatelli. Benjamin Walker. We are without Zachary Love today. He, uh, this lucky bastard didn't even see the game. I've, I've, I'm jealous of him, dude, because this dude, oh, so the Cowboys, the Cowboys lose yet again. To the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, and this game had it all, dude. This game had it all. Okay, it has uh, the Cowboys just come out flat, underperforming. It has every player on the Cowboys showing you like their best and their worst, so you can like hate them, but also like be frustrated because you know they're capable of better. It has uh, the Cowboys choking like crazy at the end of a game. And then in overtime, it has a Lambo special, a, a dish only served at Lambo, the classic, uh, questionable referee decision to lose to the Packers, which has become a Dallas Cowboys tradition at this point. The last like five times we've played the Packers, the refs have made some absurd decision in the last two minutes that has an outsized impact on the game. So we've got a lot to go through, but I guess we'll start with our traditional, um, Ben, initial thoughts. And what was watching this game like for you? Where were you, et cetera? You know, at one point we had a 96% win probability on the fourth and seven play. But Dude, I think I, they said, I think they said that like, uh, up until this point, it was like either Cowboys teams or NFL teams were like 145 and 0 with a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter or something. I don't know. I saw Rogers' career when trailing by at least is either seven or 10 in the fourth quarters, two and 29 heading into that game. So we made it three and 29 now. Oh my God, or three dude. and 22 or something, but it was bad. Um, 
I was actually golfing in the morning so that I could get in for this game. And I missed the very, I was driving home for the first quarter. Didn't sound like I missed much in the first quarter. Sounded like a punt fest. So I came yeah. home and legit the first thing I saw when I got home was Dak throw the pick, basically, or the replay of it. When we were about to go up 14 nothing. I got home in like the, I guess, second quarter. And okay. So they scored I, one touchdown that like straddled the first quarter, yeah. second quarter. That I heard was the, the, the first season season drive. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I... I saw we got the ball. We're about to go fourteen nothing. So then at that point, I really glued in, and man, I, I really hate this. I I get these feelings, and I just I never felt comfortable in this game. I just never could. I just had this ah. I just I wish I, I was trying to shake it so bad. Even when we went up twenty eight fourteen, I I just had this sneaky feeling. I just could not, I could not get away from um, it, you know, just that little sliver of life that we let, and it just agonizing watching it from my couch as they slowly creeped into reality. But uh, there yeah, was like I, five I, plays. I, I didn't wear my uh, lucky shirt, so that's also on me. It needed to be washed. I uh, When I got home, yeah. here up, you know, and we tied it. You know, I just didn't feel like I needed it. I felt good. I did not turn on my Lucky Cowboys neon sign. Uh, we had our neighbors over, and I was cooking this big meal for everyone. So, like, I was kind of in the kitchen and half, you know, not not glued into the game like I normally would be. Um an incredibly frustrating experience from start to finish. Like they do score this touchdown at seven zero. And then on the the Packers next possession, uh, Aaron Rodgers gets sacked by Tank Lawrence and we recover this fumble on the Green Bay ten. And so at this moment, it's seven to zero. We have the ball on the Green Bay ten. You're like, cool, we're gonna go up fourteen nothing, and that's gonna almost be game at that point. And Dak throws this. And like I, like I said at the beginning, this this game was filled with like players on our team showing you like their their greatest capabilities and their them at their worst. And this was Dak at his worst. He throws this horrendous red zone interception. He's trying to throw it to Dalton Schultz. It gets picked. Dude, that was a really he, weird play too. They Ceedee Lamb and Dalton Schultz were in the exact same spot. I don't know if that was a bad route concept or terrible decision. Either way, you can't throw that ball. But it was yeah. just. Everything about that play was bad. Was my point. It wasn't. A, it was a bad decision. It was a bad route. It was a bad play. And look, to Dak's point here, like it's third and eleven. Just take the take the three points. You know, if it's not there, right? Like, yeah. Like once you get sacked on second down there, like you need to just protect your chances yeah. of getting a third and eleven on third and goal are so low. You know, you just absolutely. Uh, I hated it, but yeah. So that was. The so they march all the way down the field, and then we see the first appearance of Christian Watson. Now, everyone at home will be fucking forgiven for not knowing who the fuck this is, because he had 88 yards coming into this game. He proceeded to go for over 103 touchdowns. The, the Packers had a very simple game plan. They figured out very early that, one, the Cowboys, for whatever reason, were completely incapable of stopping the run, and... Mm-hmm. They were. They didn't really feel like the risk was worth the reward with throwing at Trayvon Diggs. They targeted Trayvon Diggs exactly one time, and the combination of like Anthony Brown, Duron Bland, like whoever else we ran out there. Yeah, God, dude, Joseph is such a liability in coverage. It really upsets me so much of the time. But we, we just could not guard this guy. And he, he torched us for three touchdowns. I mean, this dude has never scored a touchdown before. And he scored three uh, in one game. 
Um, so they score, and then on the very next drive, the Cowboys, they get a first down. They're like at midfield pretty much. And CeeDee Lamb, this, and again, CeeDee Lamb had probably his best game of his career on this night. He catches 11 balls for 150 and two touchdowns. He shreds Jair Alexander all evening, one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. He looks great. But on this particular play, he does something that they teach wide receivers not to do in like middle school level football, which is like on these like deep or on the on these uh, slot concept deep post routes. You have to cut across the face of the safety. You cannot go deep when they have coverage like they had in this situation because it is almost a guaranteed interception. You're reading the safety if you're CeeDee Lamb, right? And it's it's. What is it, middle of the field open or middle of the field closed? Basically, if the safeties are out and there's too high, you run the post. And if there's a middle one, whether they're running a cover three or one, and they have a safety in the middle of the field, you have to run a dig and get in front of him. Because if you run the post, you know, you're running right into him. And it looked like he also just gave up on that route. Like, he, he saw where it was and was like, I'm not getting the ball. So, it's just a calamity of, and we've seen this from CD before where, like, he just seems to be on, like, the wrong page. Like, this has happened a couple times last year. Um, now, to their credit, I don't want to, like, I, I want to be down to level of positivity here. They ran this exact same play in overtime, and CD ran the route correctly, and it was a huge catch. So, they learned, he learned from his mistake. They did it again. He, he got a catch out of it. It looked great. So, like, um, but to to throw an interception here is so crucial because it's it you go from like this situation where it's seven zero you have the ball in the ten to suddenly it's seven seven and you've turned the ball over on back to back possessions. The uh the Packers get the ball on our R twenty four, uh and they proceed to just run it like three, three. five straight times down our throat and Aaron Aaron Jones scores a touchdown so now it's fourteen to seven now. The Cowboys would come back and score on their 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 last drive before halftime, which made me think, okay, they've steadied, they've righted the ship. Uh, Dak leads a great. It's it's effectively a two minute drill. They have a minute forty two, and Dak orchestrates the a perfect, prettiest drive, drive of their their season. Honestly, just how it was. It was perfect. They, they had yeah, to be, but. it was perfect. And Dak throws a touchdown pass to Dalton Schultz, um, and so they go into halftime fourteen fourteen. And you're like, okay, what's going to happen in the second half? They the defense comes out and gets a well, stop. This was, I'll tell you what the two interceptions did. This is a Green Bay team that was reeling, and we didn't really do a preview pod. We had the bye week. We uh we didn't get together. But if I had previewed this game, Green Bay is reeling, man. They have not been able to score. They missed Devontae Adams a hell of a lot more than he misses them. They just have not been able to get anybody open. Romeo Dobbs, who was their kind of up-and-coming rookie who had played Christian Watson off the field, gets hurt. He's out of the game. Randall Cobb, who, for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers still trusts more than any other receiver, even though he's still, or even though he's no longer very good. He's out, so they don't even have that many healthy guys. Aaron Jones was questionable coming into the game. Yep. Like Alan Lazard has not been able to like yeah, make the impact they were missed, hoping from him. And he missed the week, I think, prior to injury. Yep. Um, so they're they're banged up. They're not playing well. They have no hope. And what you do by throwing those two interceptions there is you inject life into the stadium. Correct. And that's what I was more. It, it's not so much the Packers team. You inject a, a fan base that is ready to give up on the season. If they lose this game and go three and seven, they're 
they're going home. This is probably the last game, and there was a ton of Cowboys fans during the fumble. You heard loud cheers. Like, this is tailor-made for Dallas to just end Green Bay's season. Yep. Walk in, a team that's ready to be punched and lay over. And those two interceptions, not only they breathe a little life into Rodgers and company, but it really woke that stadium up. And I, I just yep. knew from then it was, it was going to be a dogfight. And look, to your point, they actually came out third quarter and handled this. Surprisingly to me. Very surprising. The, the defense comes out. They, they stop Green Bay. The offense sputters on its first attempt, but fortunately, uh, Green Bay muffs the punt. And so Dallas gets the ball at the Green Bay 45 and immediately scores a touchdown. Tony Pollard uh, and Dak. Dak hits a beautiful pass to CD for 30 yards on this drive, and Pollard punches one in from 13 yards out. So now it's 21-14. That draw play um, was working all day, by the way. It, it did work really well. On the next on the uh on the next drive for Green Bay, the defense looks amazing. They force a three and out. Sam Williams gets an incredible sack. Uh they punt again. The Cowboys then proceed to uh go for another touchdown drive with C D Lamb featuring heavily Dak throws kill shot. Just so absolutely. Dak throws uh what I think was one of the prettiest, prettiest balls all year to the t- this touchdown to C D Lamb. Uh CeeDee Lamb put a move on Jair Alexander. Man. Absolutely. And uh but and and we'll talk more about the Jair uh C D Lamb situation because it would culminate in a very interesting moment at the end of the game. So now you've got a 28-14 game, and I said out loud at this point, okay, now this is the kind of game I expected. Like now we can relax. Like not the Cowboys, but like my the people in my house. Um now unfortunately, on the very next drive. Green Bay is able to just pretty much walk down the field and they get to a fourth and seven on the Dallas 39 yard line. Now, at this point, if you stop this and they turn the ball over on downs, it's over. This game is pretty much over. This is the first. So I want to go. There was about four different chances they had, in my opinion, to close the game. The first, and it probably was early to say, but I think if they went up 14 nothing there on Green Bay instead of throwing the pick, that was one chance. Yep, agreed. This was chance number two, fourth and yep. seven, and probably the biggest one. You get the stop. It's hard to imagine with 13 minutes left and you having the ball that you're going to lose the game. Absolutely. Like, this is this Unfor- is where the defense has to make a play. Unfortunately, uh, Deron Bland and whoever else was covering this Watson just Bland. He just got just, cooked. Yeah, he just gets cooked. And Bland had a bad night, dude. He had another play later that's almost as bad where he falls over and lets Alan Lazard bust a huge one. Um but he gets a, this Watson kid catches a forty nine or thirty nine yard touchdown and so on fourth and seven, and so suddenly it's twenty one twenty eight. You're like God again. So the Cowboys go back out there. Um, man, did we do this all the time? I know Turpin's been very good. Like God damn, man, I hate starting on our own fucking eleven. They try to do it three times from this point on, just like the yeah. worst decision making with special teams. It fucked us. Almost fucked us in overtime. Fucked us here. Like, just golly, man, it, it's such a different starting at your 20. You get the, they're coming off a touchdown, they have a little bit of life, and now you give them special teams hype. The defense comes out almost looking like 90 yards they have to go. Now. Yeah. Just, you can't. And so they, they do they do force a punt, and then Green Bay gets the ball back with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They're down a touchdown. Um, this becomes just, they're pretty much just throwing to uh, this Watson kid and running Jones and Dylan up the gut. And the uh, the fucking killer here is 
uh, on second and six of the Dallas 48. Aaron Jones goes for 23 yards, and Keldon Joseph somehow forces a fumble that mm-hmm. bounces right back into Aaron Jones's hands on this one. Yeah. Like, if this is a turnover right here, you still probably win the game because it's five yeah. minutes to go, and you can just kill clock. But now they have first and 10 of the Dallas 18. They hit Watkins for nine yards. This is the one where they like, he basically just like watched. Uh, it's a second window throw. He watches Micah, who was playing hobbled all night, and he just waited for Micah to make a move and then c- threw it to Watkins. And then Christian Watson, yet again, dude, catches his third touchdown of the evening, and it's a tie game, 28 28. Dallas goes out there. They shittiest th- three and out. The, the worst three and out. Okay, you have a three-yard run from Tony Pollard, two-minute warning, and then you try to throw to Noah Brown, and then you try to go deep to Michael Gallup on third and seven, and then you have a punt. Now, fortunately, the defense does stand tall here. They force a punt. The ones that got all second half. Ex- yeah, which, again, like if they had gotten a stop at any other point which, in this quarter, they, the game ends, but they couldn't up until it was a tie game. Yeah. That was a good. That was the one where Rogers starts cursing out Lafleur. Do you know what the deal was with the timeout that, uh, that uh, Mike McCarthy called with two seconds left to run this one last play where he got it to Turpin? Did you think that was weird? Yeah i I thought only bad could come from there. I get if you're on the thirty nine maybe and you have more field. I I don't know. I I thought this was a pretty weird decision. So it goes into overtime, and already, dude, I'm tell I'm saying out loud at this point, like I know how this movie ends. I've seen this so many fucking times. Yeah, we're in weird panic mode. Weird shit happens in with Green Bay, with overtime, with these. Whenever the you weather, let the game, the if you, when you let the game get this close, this is where the fuckery starts. Now, I want to say before I get into this, because I I know I'm being fucking tinfoil hat Cowboys fan. I'm blaming the refs. Blah 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 blah. Before I get into this, I want to say that the defense, I think the defense lost you this game, mostly. I mean, like you said, the DAC interception kills you. CD running the wrong route leading to the second interception kills you. But ultimately, you should never lose a game where you're up 14 points in the fourth quarter. So Dan Quinn needs to be the one looking in the mirror the hardest on Monday morning after this. So I want to say that before we get into overtime because I am going to sound like I'm blaming the refs, but this shit drove me nuts. So... Cowboys win the toss. And so by the way, I want to get this out there. Yeah. Uh, oh, so there was, it's Lambo. It's cold as shit in November. It's kind of windy, kind of shit weather out there. I saw some people Monday morning quarterbacking this saying that we should have taken the wind and not the ball. That would have been so dumb. You know how McCarthy would have been roasted if we gave Oh Rodgers my God, dude. And they marched yeah. down the field and scored. People were like, no, you, you probably got to take the win there. It's like, what has your defense done all game to believe you that you should give Bro, Rodgers- if Mike McCarthy got up on the, if if Rodgers goes out there and just beats you without you ever touching the ball, and Mike McCarthy gets up at his press conference, so it's like, I picked the wind. Dude, would, that would be a lot. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't believe I actually heard people suggest that. Like, yes, the win played a factor. You didn't have it in this overtime. You know that going in. You still rather the ball. You still give of that horse. Just, I wanted to get that out there because that was a really weird. Absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> so to start off overtime, the refs already get way more involved than they need to. There's double offsetting penalties to start overtime. 
where two guys get up and they're kind of in each other's faces and they tap each other on the side of the helmet. Not like hitting, but like your classic, just like, what up, boy? And they both get flagged for that, which I'm already like, you're you're doing too much, ref crew. Like no one that we could have a whole separate podcast about how NFL ref crews and their unsportsmanlike call thing they're doing right now is ruining football, but it's absolutely absurd. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I love that the Eagles lost last night, but the decision to extend that drive for the commanders based on a hit that wouldn't have hurt a third grader is patently absurd and just like going too far, ruining football. So uh, after this weird offsetting, I, I weirdly situation. think that's the right call, but I did want Philly to lose. I, I think it's simultaneously a really shitty way to end a game and probably the right call. It's just, it was like Brandon Graham had no business doing no, I'm not. Again, it's hurt. a dumb. It's a dumb decision. It's just like we have these plays. Like I saw someone post this earlier, where it's like to we have we have these plays now, where like people are basically attempting to draw unsportsmanlike conduct. And then when they get the flag, do that they're like celebrating the unsportsmanlike conduct flag, and that's not flagged somehow. It's like a weird. It's become like Sam White do that though. He baited a yeah. He got into a lineman's face and he got pushed. And he- Flopped. Yeah, that's, that's, he didn't get the call, but I I respected the rookie. Trying hey, to he's trying to play. He's trying to play the, to the meta, dude. So, so the Cowboys do get the ball on the twenty five yard line, and they go to work, dude. They, they and they're doing well. So Pollard gets a seven yard run out the gate. They hit Lamb for fifteen. Um, that's the play I was talking about, where they ran like an identical play to the one that got them picked earlier, and Lamb made the right decision. Um, then Pollard goes for seven yards again. Pollard up the middle for nine, and on second and three, they go for nine yards. Um, that's going to get them to like their own 45 with a first down. They've pretty much been getting seven or eight yards of play. It looks great. And there is a penalty for offensive offsides on Jalen Tolbert. Now, this is weird as shit because you never see guys get flagged for offsides on offense. You look at the replay. Jalen Tolbert definitely is offsides. What comes out is that he basically waited too long to like check with the line judge where he Dang. was. Dak and him, obviously he's going to have a story. I sent you the play. He, It's weird because, yes, he does check in with the ref, but he checks in pretty late, and then they snap the ball. It just And also, what the fuck is he doing on the field and over Yeah, that kid but... sucks, so that that's upsetting. So, but luckily, they, back. they do. They go to second and eight, and Dak hits Pollard for a nine-yard completion. Now, what sucks here is that in my head, I'm already doing the math, right? Like, okay... That should have been a play that happened at the Dallas 48 or 46, so we should now be on the 35. You know what I'm saying? Like, these these stack up. Um, first and 10 from the Green Bay 42. Uh, they try to go to Sean McKee, and that's incomplete. On second and 10, uh, Malik Davis goes up the gut for 16 yards. Uh, that should put them at the Green Bay 26-yard line with a first down. You're thinking, cool, we're about to win this game. There's a penalty on Connor McGovern for offensive holding. This is one of the more ticky-tacky offensive holdings I've seen called. I don't know if I would call it in this situation. It's a hand position holding call. It is his hands were outside the pads. Like, it's is it holding? Yes. 
any the reason sells it. I have an what the reason I have an issue with it is because of what comes after. Like basically by calling this this penalty, what you're saying is we are calling everything. Like you we are going to if it's a 50-50 call, we're going to throw the flag. And if that's the brand of refing you're doing, okay, I'll accept that. What becomes an issue is that uh so that happens on second and 10, it's now second and 19. On second and 19, Dak throws to Schultz for 16 yards. Uh Great it's now third Third and three, yeah, it is a great throw. On third and three, uh, Dak throws to CeeDee Lamb. Jair Alexander gets there at least a full second early. Just blasts this him in the back. Best case, yeah. you can say a half second. Like, there are there are beautiful snapshots you can find online of Jair, like, fully wrapping up CD with his, like, controlling both of his arms, like, fully extended around him with the ball it's still it's a timing 10 play. feet away. He's a good corner. He... He missed his time. He, he hit him early. Yeah. It's just blatantly early. So they do not flag this as DPI. It is one of the more egregious DPIs in the game, and it is not called. And so now it's fourth and three, and they go for it. Uh, that is, which, by the way, he looked that they went for it. Some people thought they should have kicked the 52-yarder. I just said shitty conditions in the wind. Maher's yeah. got the leg, but go for the win here. I'm fine with it. Trust your offense. Didn't like the play. Didn't like Didn't the play, play either. He didn't have a single short guy to throw to. Dak gets under pressure, barely gets the ball off, incomplete. Nobody was even remotely open on this play. Just, just terrible play call. Unfortunately, just like, ah, dude, I just want just once, and then you know we know how this ends. Fucking Aaron Rodgers McCarthy, gets the ball. He walks down the field. Quick, they kick yeah. a field goal. They win the game. McCarthy, I just say one time, I want to see Aaron Rodgers beat us by himself. I, in my adult life, have only seen Aaron Rodgers beat the Dallas Cowboys with the, with a ton of assistance. <laughs> the Dez catch, the absurd holding on David Irving to beat us in the 2016 playoffs, and now this. If Aaron Rodgers is going to beat us, I can accept that. Aaron Rodgers is a talented quarterback, the smug fuck that he is. Beat me by yourself, you fucking asshole. This thing where... If it's close, it goes to the Packers as a game, as a, an unspoken rule of the NFL. is fucking tiring, dude. Like, it makes it football not worth watching when you're just like, every bounce is going to go their way from an officiating standpoint. That sucks. Like, that is not, it, it was not a questionable call. It wasn't close, and uh, that those don't go our way ever. There's never been a game in my memory where it was like, yeah, man, we Bay. that game. Because you know of this, we probably had we probably had some good ones. We had the the index, but the random index card game. But you know, what? I think the horrible Raiders team and a meaningless. Yeah, like okay, fine. Like, like sure. I said, we've had them, but it's always it does suck against Green Bay. It always seems to be. It always seems to bounce Green Bay's way. Across. Yeah, well, and, and I'm not even going to call game, it the Dez catch bouncing their way. That's just that bullshit. Was, it's just was, bullshit. <laughs> and this one is just bullshit. Like. This isn't like, no one's going to watch this play and be like, I'm of the opinion that that's not DPI. Everyone's opinion is that they missed the call. So, again, and and again, like, if your attitude as a ref is, I, I, hey, it's overtime, I'm going to let them play. I, I can deal with that, too. But you can't call hand position holding penalties three snaps earlier and then let a guy blast a wide receiver when the ball's still in the air and be like, yeah, sorry, whoopsie doodle, like, that sucks, man. It sucks. It does suck, and it's one of those games where you weren't playing well enough where you needed those to go your way. 
and they didn't get it. You had so many chances to close the door on this game and just refuse to walk through it, and then you get the wrong rub of the green, and it just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and he wound up giving up the most points you have all season. You lose 31-28 to a team that's lost five in a row, and look, grand scheme, you're 6-3. and three. You're still fine. The Eagles finally lost. They go out, so they beat, if they go out and they beat Minnesota on Sunday, it'll be fine. Like in the grand scheme of things, like you, you said it, you said it really well the other day in our text message conversation. You said they were never going to go fifteen and two. Like that was never going to happen. This one hurts because it was kind of penciled in as a win. The Packers have sucked. They're reeling. We had so many opportunities to close the door on this team. We, we frankly should have won this game. Not like. Not even like a coming into it, we probably should have won the game. I mean, we were almost a touchdown favorite in a neutral site. But obviously in the game, there are so many opportunities where it's like that would have been it. The fourth down, the interception, you know, just the defense getting a stop at any point in the fourth quarter. Well, and look, um, you had two, you had Dak had the ball with two minutes left. Offense couldn't score and we got the ball first in overtime. Yes, there was the DPI, but you still had another chance. Like they just, they didn't get it done. No, they had, they, they had, the defense had chances to win you the game and the offense had chances to win you game. And that's what hurts is they both let you down. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to save most of my ire for the defense. I mean, the, the turnovers suck. Don't get me wrong. The ints by deck and, and the one that I am mostly attributing to CD, those are really tough. Um, but overall, like Dak threw three touchdowns. Pollard had another great day. He goes for a buck 15 and a touchdown. CD lamb had again, probably his best agree. game as a pro. Um, 11 catches for 150 and two touchdowns. Schultz had a good day. Six for 54 and a touchdown is plenty from Schultz. That should be, you know, when you, when you generate 400 yards of offense and almost 30 points and you're up by two scores in the fourth quarter, that should be enough to, to win a game. And ultimately, I think it spoke volumes that even down 14 points with under 10 minutes to go, Green Bay is still just running the ball up the gut because they know the Cowboys can't stop it. They're getting chunk plays of eight, nine, 10, 12 yards. Um, the Cowboys are going to have to figure out how to stop a, a run-based offense, or they're going to get killed by everybody. I mean, I, I shudder to think what Dalvin Cook is going to do against this team. Yeah. You know, they had a lot of quotes afterwards. Micah basically said the same thing. Um, you know, he... I loved, you know, there were a couple interesting quotes from the players after the game. I love what Micah said. He basically said, you know, it was a disgusting performance and that, you know, people are basically going to keep doing this until they figure out how to stop it. Yeah. McCarthy said the same thing. He said, pass rush is a a luxury right now. Like, no one's going to let you pin your ears back and rush until you figure out, show them that you can stop a run. Like, it is what it is. Exactly. Um... I didn't love as much. One thing for me and you to sit here and talk about the refs, I, and I know it's right after the game, I don't really love hearing Tony Pollard afterwards. He had some interesting comments about it. Um, CD, I can kind of forgive. He had some comments because he was the one who got interfered with. I just, the only reason I say that is I just, I, I loved Micah's accountability there. Sometimes you just got to, that's what this team has lacked for so long in the Jason Garrett era. I just don't love this, oh, woe is me, like, yeah, we got fucking shafted again. Like, we've been in locker rooms. I get it. Some of it's coping, right? It's easier For to sure. blame an outside force than yourselves. But I just feel like truly great teams are able to take the hard look in the mirror. And that's why you probably I probably don't mean, like, you probably hey, don't see like, uh, like the Bill Belichick Patriots teams saying stuff like that. 
Exactly. So that's that's kind of where I get. It's where I don't love. I, I can't find the quotes right now. But if you if you look them up, uh, just I get it. You're frustrated. I just I love what Micah said afterwards. Basically, okay, man. Until we stop it, this is the this is what they're gonna do. We're gonna have to put in the work. And you take the accountability. You know, Josh Allen said it uh, when they lost the Jets. He said, I love this quote afterward. He said, it's hard to win when your quarterback plays like shit. Like, sometimes you just got to own it, man. Like, and um, I don't know. This one is, is in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it breaks them. This wasn't a crushing defeat. It, it doesn't feel like hurt. Denver last year. The, it uh, One thing I do worry about is that last year, Denver felt like a game where Truly, the shine came off of the offense, and all the good things that have been said about Kellen Moore were stripped away. And I worry that the same thing might be happening to Dan Quinn. He's been lauded. The defense has been the subject of a ton of praise. Now their big weakness has been on prominent display. Have they been, you know, figured out? I certainly hope not. No, it's very interesting you bring that up because I have the same thought that Last year, the Denver game was the blueprint game. Vic Fangio yeah. very famously said, I just gave the NFL the blueprint of how to stop the Cowboys offense. And sure enough, a little bit of that was true. I do wonder, and this is really two games in a row, because the Bears exposed us to that C-gap runs especially, which yeah. are basically right outside the tackle runs, have really, really devastated this Cowboys defense. And Absolutely. I... This was a game where the Packers needing a win to even have hopes of a wild card berth came out and had their highest rushing percentage play calls the entire season. Like Rodgers and all his aura and mystique even said, man, the only way we're beating this team and I'm not getting killed is we got to just pound them on the outside. And they stuck to that. And I think, look, the best team in your division is the Philadelphia Eagles. What do they do well? They run... Outside run, you know, they they run right at you. The San Francisco 49ers, another team who you're probably going to see in the playoffs if you want to be anything, what do they do? They're very well-run scheme team. So if you're going to be, to your point, I don't know if the blueprint was shown, but, you know, you if you have a weakness like that that you can't figure out, then, yeah, you're going to have some bad days ahead. People aren't going to let Micah Parsons and Dorrance Armstrong and Tank um, just pin their ears back. Blitz the shit out of him. Yeah, exactly. And if they realize the rest of your corners are weak, which Jordan Lewis out for the season, we'll see with Anthony Brown. I think he's got concussion protocol. Like, if they're just not going to throw at digs and pick on everyone else on your field, then that seems to be a pretty reasonable blueprint for teams. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, we watched this happen with a lot of teams. I mean, when when Namdi Asamoah was like the guy for the Raiders, I mean, he was really good, but teams killed the Raiders because they were just like, cool, man, like, you could only cover a guy or a section of the field, we just won't throw at you. Like, we'll just throw at this other bum that they have, and, and that works And even really Dix well, isn't so. infallible, but they just don't no. even need to test him. Like, yeah, they, like why, just, why even run the risk? Yeah. It like, just shows that they had a really good plan, and what sucks is Dallas was so close to winning anyway. So close yeah. to finding a way to win, and they just did it. And Green Bay even coughs up a punt. Those are gifts. They miss yep. a field goal. That's a gift. Like you just and and uh, you know like you and and on on some level that is a positive that like that many things can go wrong and you're still in it to the very end. The team never laid down. They did fight it out. They are just gonna have to get better in that one like kind of key piece of the game. Or like you said, it's just gonna go really poorly. Um, 
We're going to see Dalvin Cook coming up. Uh, it, you know, next week Good the Giants is the, the Giants are coming to town. Saquon Barkley is leading the league in rushing this year, much to my chagrin. I mean, we're going to have to we're going to have to stop him. Um, after that, uh, Indianapolis, like they're you know they're only they're not players, great, but Taylor. exactly. And then, dude, I mean, keep going, Houston. That kid Pierce can fucking run the ball, dude. He can run the ball. Um, then you play Philly, and then you got to then you got to go to Tennessee and see King Henry at the end of the year. So like, yeah. well, any of Tennessee with Travis Etienne, Etienne. So like, you're gonna see like a who's who of great running backs. And if you don't figure this out, some of these teams can beat you. These are not gimmies. Like, so yeah, it's gonna be very I interesting love to see you, but how it this is telling out. It is telling that after this game, we both said I'm way more pissed at DQ than like Kellen Moore. We go yeah. at Kellen Moore all the time. Neither of us are. We make fun of the boy genius moniker. We definitely bagged on him. I don't think he even called that bad a game. The only I, I didn't love the fourth down call. Other than that, You're, I, I didn't, yeah, you mostly the offense did its job. Um, but so I can't. You man, they just they even tried to move Micah at linebacker and it didn't work. I am. Yeah. I wonder where their weakness is. I, I think it's two places. It's they they weren't very big. So they can't just bully you up front. Correct. That's where they're not, and they're not overly disciplined. Which a bunch of a bunch of the, of run defense is about discipline. It's about discipline. like everyone has to be discipline. in there. Yep. Play your everyone gap. Has to be you don't play gap. the runner. Play your gap. Play. Yep. Do your job so that the next guy can do his. That's all precisely. Defense. And then yep. their corners are asset tackling. I gotta love Trayvon. I love even Ant Brown. Trayvon's never been an amazing tackler. That's, that's not right. There's thing. not a lot yeah. of them, but that's. So they're just going to run outside if you can't stop it, and then your corners can't tackle. So then they do what they well, – I forget who was that famous uh, coach. He said, we block safeties because corners can't tackle or shit. Or they're yeah. just as bad as tackling in our league as they are yours. So they're going to make you have to make those plays, and I don't know. It would be interesting to see them figure it out. I mean, the, the first play of overtime pissed me off because they, they get a stop. Our first play of the Packers drive. It's a first and 10. They finally shut A.J. Dillon or – Jones down second and ten. Packers run anyway, and they still get eight yards to yep. set up a third and short. And that's the whole goal: set and, up third and short, so you don't have to sit back in passing situations and run. And, and who makes the and, and look at who makes these look at who makes the tackle? It's it's uh, Jaron Curse and, and Van Der Esch. It's like they're getting to the second level and third level on you all the time. So clearly, like you're losing that battle up front. The D line is not like stuffing anyone. Um, you see, you, you feel you like running plays against the Cowboys either get it feels like the the Cowboys went against the run. It's like a home. It's like a guy that swings for the fence every time. They either blow it up in the backfield or it goes for twelve yards. Like those are the two options. <laughs> like they they go for they either kill you behind the line with like one of the DNs or like Micah or Sam Williams like getting to you. Or you get past that initial rush, and then you're getting chased down from behind by LVE. And that's a bad situation, especially when you're going to play running backs that have breakaway speed, and LVE's not going to go catch Saquon Barkley or Dalvin Cook. So, yeah, it's it's concerning. Yeah, so it's a terrible loss is, is my... Of the three we I said I said at the time, dude, I think it's painful. the most... I think it's the most painful loss since... Regular season wise, I think it hurt. At, in in the moment, it hurt me more than the the Broncos game did last year. 
Uh, I was gonna say Thanksgiving last year was the last time I remember being oh, that. That did fucking. Suck I mean, that was kind ass. of a ref bowl anyway. But I just remember that that like, had all the same elements where it was like you easily could have won the game. You go to overtime. There's this ridiculous. Set. That was a game where I went back and looked, and like the Raiders, they they uh, converted like five total third downs, and four of them were DPIs on Anthony Brown. And you're just like, God damn it, dude! Oh, speaking of. That's another thing that really does have me a little bit concerned. I am like the pod and maybe like everyone's resident DAC defender. This fucking stat has, everyone has sent me this, but obviously DAC has only played three and a half games this year, but in the small sample size we do have, DAC has like one of the worst third and fourth down conversion rates in like NFL history this year. It's like second only to Tim Tebow or something like that. Um, the other, you know, the like I think he's like four for twelve for like zero touchdown or one touchdown and three picks on the year. Um, so it's not great. And you need to be able to convert on third and fourth down. And they have not been doing that uh through the air, which is bad. So yeah, man. You you, you hope to see uh them Let's clean it up. Uh, ranks real quick on uh he is 43.3% completion percentage worst in the NFL. This on third and fourth downs is thrown. I don't know, that's weird. TD to end is second worst. It's a weird stat, but he's thrown a few picks. And then off target throw percentage, which is an advanced stat, he's one of the bottom. So it, it they, they struggled on third and fourth downs this year. For sure. And yeah, I mean, again, part of this is that Dak has an absurdly small sample size and he's played like two two of his three and a half games are horrendously bad. Like, so it's not great. Um, I hope that like, I mean, he could go out next week and if he converts, you know, six of six third downs, he, those stats will all instantly be fine. Yeah, look, but, at, look at Washington. I mean, uh, yeah, Billy had one of the best defenses and Washington was like 11 of 16 on third down. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you, you get so them. You just hope, I, you also hope that, I would love to see CeeDee Lamb continue to play like he did I mean, he's up against Jair Alexander all night. Uh, the only way Jair Alexander stopped him was to DPI him and not get called. So that's pretty impressive. CD looked awesome. I hope he keeps playing exactly like that. He looked incredible. He was putting sick moves on corners. He was catching the ball with his hands. He was making, you know, getting yak. I loved it. Um, this team desperately needs a, a, a real number two weapon. Um, I know Gallup got a little nicked up during this game, but he's just a total non-factor at this point. Like I, I've been a Gallup lover from the day he got drafted. I watched his his college tape and loved him, loved him all through his rookie year. His his peak in his second year, where he went over a thousand yards. Um, was in favor of sign of signing him in this off season. Um, looking back, I obviously would have rather kept Amari and let <laughs> let Gallup go. Um, but this team desperately needs. A, a real number two on both sides of the ball. They need a number two corner and a number two wide receiver super desperately. So when we get to the end of the year, I'm sure a bunch of our draft content will be focused on looking at wide receivers and corners. I'm already kind of drooling over uh, Jalen Hyatt on Tennessee, the kid that had five touchdowns against Alabama. Dak, this, I mean, sorry, Gallup this year, 102 yard or last four games, 102 yards, 22 targets. Yeah, I mean, Dak gets Dak. Dak tries to get him the ball, and it's not good. 
it's not good production. Um, you know, well, it, like, I, have, I have a lot what's of really visible see... is they don't they don't have a third guy is the problem. So like yeah. even if he's not producing, they just don't have anyone else to go to but CD Land. Yeah, and and, and again, like CD. Dude, please play exactly like this every night. That's the that's the most dominant I've ever seen CD look on a football field. Well, his um, first hundred yard game this season, two TDs. Yep. Most the only game you can really compare. Most to catches is, he's is, had in a, a game in his career. So by all accounts, great game. The only game you can really compare it to would be uh, New England last year, and even then, I would say this is a better game because he doesn't. You know, there's no Amari Cooper out there taking attention. Um. So this was an incredible performance. We need this every night from CeeDee Lamb. If he can do this, then he's as advertised. This is what people were hoping for when we drafted him. for career highs and catches yards and TDs. You know, so I mean... He's... Which, which okay, when, when they ship out the number one and there's no one behind you and you're the he only... Should. Legi- he should. He should I'm absolutely saying... do that. But yes, yeah. he's, he's an good. interesting guy where he's a... He's good in a way, but... You know, you watch like just you put it perfect. Save dude. the Vikings' ass. We're gonna oh watch my god, dude! I was, I was never gonna be that. The end of the Bills game. The end of the Bills game. He was like soloing the Bills by himself. They were just basically tossing it up in the general direction of him, and he was just oh. But you, I think I can't remember who uh, you were quoting, but you you said to me, and I thought this was put perfectly. I've never seen a guy that looks so big with the ball in his hands and so small without it, and that's so perfectly put. Like. When the ball's in the air, CD is the least physical, like the least dominant, the least go get it guy I've ever seen. Like if the ball is like coming towards him, he's like fading away from it, waiting for it to get to him. Like like defenders are jumping between him and the ball, and he's just like falling backwards, hoping it gets to him. Whereas like Dez would like jump up and like fight three guys off and get the ball. Once he gets the ball in his hands, if he makes the catch, he's a freak. He's nasty. Yeah, he has insane change of direction. He has great acceleration. He can get up to his top speed really quickly. Like we even put a shoulder into you. He'll run over you. Yeah, he has. He has. If he has some physicality to him once he has the ball. It's very strange that he now and he. I will say the last couple I wouldn't hate started to make backfield a little bit. Yeah, and I I will say over the last couple of games he has started to be better about making catches in traffic. Um, which was a concern of mine. I wasn't sure he could do that because he did it so well in college. That's why it was such a mind fuck. But hopefully CD continues uh, on this trajectory. If he goes out and has a huge game against the Vikings, which like last year when we played the Vikings, Amari kind of, that was like Amari's, I think Amari's best game of the year last year. He he, he, he won the game well, for CD us. He had 100 yards and a TD in that one too. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, I, I don't, uh, He didn't have a TD, but he did have 100 oh. yards. Okay. Um, Cedric Wilson had the super long touchdown, and then Amari had the game winner, which was super nasty. Nasty. Amari was fucking on. He was unconscious on that last drive. He would like catch, catch a fourth down conversion, run to the sideline, sit down on a tennis ball, get the massage gun on his thigh, come back on the field, catch a game winner, just like nasty. Always where I got frustrated with Amari. He just I know his his highs were so good, and then he could just be so invisible. The next week, like it, it was. Never be- I think back to like uh, the Thanksgiving game, the year he got here on Thanksgiving, we played Washington, and he had like. I, I'm for Cowboys. He had a better game than Dez ever had in the Cowboys. Yeah, it, uh, I'm I'm gonna look this up right now because uh, he had this just ridiculous game, Oakland, Oakland, 
Okay, Dal- yeah, he had 180 and two touchdowns on Thanksgiving. Uh, and then two weeks later, again, we play Philly, first game of December. We win 29-23. Amari catches that, like, bobbling game winner uh, at the very last second. He catches 10 for 217 and three touchdowns That's in that game. game. I remember it, yeah. Just ass. And then the next week, what does he do? Four catches for 32 yards. <laughs> and then the week after that, four for 20. Just like, how are those the same guy? Like, do you want to know his stats this year, just real quick? He's having a good year, but he's doing the same thing for Cleveland. And I know who they have at quarter. Yeah, he has like 300 yard games and then like a bunch of like, I, I saw he had a game where he caught one for nine. These, 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 <laughs> are his, these, yeah, these were his first four games three catches, 17 yards, nine for 100 in a TD, seven for 100 in a TD, one catch for nine yards. Like, <laughs> it just, he's, it's, it's very weird. And then he had the monster five catches for 131 two weeks ago when they upset Cincinnati on Monday night, and then last week, three for 32 and a loss against a really bad Miami team. So Bizarre, dude. Oh, Sorry. man. I, that, talk about upsetting, dude. I saw the other day that in the NFL, the number one and number two receivers who lead the league in uncatchable balls are on the same team, and it's Tyree Kill and Waddle. They're number With one Waddle? and number two for most uncatchable balls, and they're both Wait. ballers, dude. They're, you know, they're both having insane years. Tyreek's on pace, I think, still to go over 2,000 receiving yards. Like, he's unquestionably having a great year, and yet it still feels like Tua may be missing some opportunities with him. I mean, I, yeah. I don't yeah. think the Chiefs regret a whole lot about that trade, but I also wonder if they regret a little. Tyreek's a, he is absurdly crazy good. good. Yeah. I, oh, man, I want a game-breaker like that so badly on this team, and that's why I'm like drooling over Jalen Hyatt. He's a 4-2 guy. He's a pure burner. You know, I, I would love that kind of player. I think that's the problem with CD is that he's just not, like, Dez at his peak was unguardable, was one of the best receivers. Like, CD's just never going to be... Well, he's he's also like kind of a tweener. Like, he's not yeah. he's not fast enough to be this game-breaker. He's not physical enough to be, like, this ultra-possession receiver. jack-of-all-traits kind of guy. Yeah, he's, he's really good at everything, but not the best at anything, and he, therefore he's, he's never going to have a signature move. You know what I mean? I think like, he's very similar to Scary Terry, where they're yeah. both, like, very good receivers. You're fine with them as your number one, but they're also probably... You're probably going to face better competition through the year. Well, and someone, someone sent it to me today. Someone was like, perception's weird. You know, uh, A.J. Brown's getting all this love as this elite number one wide receiver, like huge get for the Eagles. You know, A.J. Brown has 44 catches for 725 yards and six touchdowns this year, and he's lauded as this elite number one, you know, maybe the best receiver in football, blah, blah, blah. CeeDee Lamb, people are like, is he even a real number one? He's more like a number two. He has 53 catches for 706 and five touchdowns. Like they, yeah. they have almost identical stats. You know, AJ Brown has one more touchdown. CeeDee uh, has more catches. Big game. I, a lot of it also has to do when people watch you. A lot of people don't yeah. watch. Like AJ Brown had that monster game that it felt like everyone saw on TV where he had the three yeah. touchdowns. Like this was big for CeeDee Lamb. This was the most watched game. This also what kills me about Cowboys. I swear our most watched games are always games we fucking lose. This was the most watched game this season by far, at least of any Fox game this year. And we lose in just embarrassing fashion. It's just I feel like every time we're just front center stage for the moment, we find a way to do something like that. Well, we got we got 
other we're chances. Guys I mean, who's also known to do that front and center stage? I wish we were his... playing in prime time. Uh, unfortunately, we're playing in the middle of the afternoon, but we do play Kirk Cousins in the eight and one Vikings, who are coming off of one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Like the Bills and Vikings game just did year. not want to win. Both teams were just like refusing to win this game. the The Josh Allen fumble was crazy. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a football game. After maybe the worst fourth quarter like QB sneak I've ever seen yeah. in my life. A horrendous like, decision. Falls down. Yeah, just horrible decision. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we are playing the Vikings this week. I mean, and you know we're gonna play on Thanksgiving. People are gonna get to see if CD has a huge Thanksgiving game. If he has a huge game against the Eagles when we play them. Uh, it's also funny you're on Christmas Eve because that's another bad overtime loss for Josh Allen. Like, and he's still just always lauded as Josh Allen. You know, oh, I mean, Dak was, has one of those games, and he's roasted. I was, I was telling Ryan the other day, dude. Like, Justin Fields needs to enjoy the shit out of what's happening right now because this is the period where, like, if Justin Fields keeps doing what he's doing, which it's don't get me wrong, like you know, I've from the beginning I've been a Justin Fields believer, and I like Justin Fields, and I think he's uh, can be a very good quarterback. Right now is the period where everyone's just like, he's so good, it's super tight. Even if they go get bounced in the first round, people will be like, oh, the future's bright, it doesn't matter. He's got about two or three years of that before you start doing the weird intangible, like maybe he just can't get it done, dude. Maybe he doesn't have it. Maybe he's not the guy, which is all just like, you can't figure out, none of that means anything. There's There's no stat to back up what you're talking about. It's just like, he's not the guy. Yeah. I, I can't imagine performing a Super Bowl, so he won't. Confirming our priors of, of a guy. Which or is funny because, like, you look at a guy like Russell Wilson, who effectively gets carried to a Super Bowl as a really young guy by a, a generational defense. Yep. And he is forever the guy. He is eternally the guy. And now, the Broncos, I saw a stat the other day, if the Broncos had scored 18 points in every game, they'd be 8-1. I saw that. Well, fuck. <laughs> like, like 240 mil. Should I also... I know I'm nitpicking here, but going quarterbacks, like, Justin Herbert gets such elite treatment for a guy who's done jack shit. It really does drive me... Nuts. Like, Lamar Jackson gets criticized to the nth degree for a guy who's goes to the playoffs every year, wins, like, three of every four starts in his career. Yeah, but he's not the guy, can't get the guy because he's lost like three times in the playoffs. Whereas Justin Herbert, who's never done anything, just wow, look at him out there. He just looks good because he's like, yeah, six, oh, it, it, well, and just like, you know, I don't want to get, you know, political, but part of it is like he looks like the idea of what your average NFL yeah. fan thinks of a quarterback being. And Lamar, who's like wearing a do rag and fucking, you know, like being his hairs out to here, got the yeah, like. <laughs> Uh, but hey, I it's a new age in the NFL. Guys are winning all the time. Well, Dak, remember it's funny because even our friend Lane, you know, he's just trolling us. But you, he's like, Dak's not a winner. The whole reason Dak got the job, like Dak's whole bit forever, was, oh, that guy just wins. Like it doesn't look. Yeah, that was it. And now that he's to your point, now that he's gotten the contract, now it's man, is he the guy though? Which is it's 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 inversed because like at first it was like, well, he doesn't put up numbers, but like he's a winner. Dak has, to his credit, worked really hard and developed as a passer. And last year he puts up like forty five hundred. We never thought TDs get to this level as a passer. Never, never. Um, and now it's the inverse. Now it's like, yo, yeah, yeah. He's he's Black Kirk Cousins. You know, he puts up like 
useless stats, but yeah. you know, for sure. I've, I've heard Black Tebow. I've heard Black <laughs> Black Kirk. They always, I, I, I think they don't know that I know Dax Black, so they need to like <laughs> double click on that. Like, I want you to be aware that I think he's Tim Tebow, but he's also African-American and I need you to be aware. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the the reassurance there. But yeah, they do play the um, Vikings this this I coming wanna, week. Yeah, we're doing Vikings. Dak talk is interesting. He's had a very strange year. He's, he's only year. played in four games. He's come off an injury. I don't know where the thumb is. I assume it's fine now, but who really knows if it's I couldn't fine. tell. Like I was thinking during the game in Green Bay, like. Was was his hand stiff because he was throwing high? Which, when your hand is stiff, often you release at a higher point. And he was overthrowing guys at the beginning of the game. He seemed to to settle in eventually. But yeah, I can't tell who Dak is this year at all. Like he's he's had games where I'm like he's he'll throw a dot. Like he threw some absolute dimes in this game. He also threw some horrendous passes. And so I'm just like, who are you, dude? It's four games. A terrible, one of his most awful games where he gets hurt against Tampa. Follows it up with a decent, okay-ish comeback against the Lions. Probably got more criticism than he's, but didn't look great. And then he thought he looked really good against Chicago. Thought he yeah, looked great. three touchdown and game. No coming off a bye week, which is also why this hurts. We didn't get into You're coming off a bye week. You've had two weeks to prepare for whatever this Green Bay Packers team is. And then... He, this was just a weird game for him. Like, good and bad. I... Very, it it, it kind of sums up where he's been this year. It's just a very inconsistent. Is it bizarre to for a team that, especially in the second half of this game? I mean, you are ahead in this game for, you know, most of the second quarter. Then they tie it up. Then you go ahead in the third quarter. So for most of the first half, and then most of the second half, you're up. And yet Dak threw forty six times. And Aaron Rodgers threw twenty. Even though the Cowboys' rushing attack was pretty effective, do they just not trust Pollard, or they don't want to run that the the meter too high, or what? Because like forty six passes seems like a lot when Dak doesn't look, you know, incredibly perfect. Yeah, sometimes games get weird where who has the ball for how long. Like that Eagles game got weird where they they just never had the ball on Washington. So Miles Sanders had one carry in the first half, and they yeah. just, they. You know, sometimes you just get in situations. Um, I don't know, because Green Bay definitely made a conscious decision to limit Rodgers' dropbacks, probably sure. to negate our pass rush. That's probably all, and to take advantage of the run. because they yeah, And we, we end up pretty close fight. together. I mean, like, they we had 421 yards of offense. They had 415. Uh, they rushed for 207. We rushed for 159, which obviously they outrushed us, but like, 160 isn't bad. Uh, Dak, you know, Dak throws for 260, Aaron Rodgers for 208. Um, the only difference between Rodgers and Dak's day was was really the two turnovers. And and Rodgers did have a fumble, so I mean, he turned the ball over. A little bit. The Packers' passing offense was just more efficient. I'd say we yeah, are agreed on a hit or miss. I mean, there is some really nice and some really bad. Is where the Packers, it seemed, once they kind of got Dallas where they wanted. I mean, Rodgers was barely breathed on in the fourth quarter in overtime. It looked and like that line. The the timing of the turnovers was key too. So like both teams have two turnovers, but Dax both of the time like the, when we turn the ball over that's converted to points, like their turnovers we didn't do anything with them really. Like uh, yeah. the muff punt is is was nice, but like Aaron Rodgers' fumble at the beginning of the game, obviously we immediately turned the ball over too. So 
unfortunately didn't get to capitalize on that one. So, well, well, I think we're ready to put that one in the uh, the rear view. Um, hopefully, oh, hopefully oh. after this uh, this Sunday, we think of it as like I would love it if they came out, they just smashed Minnesota, and it was like, oh, you know what? Then we could turn the narrative to like they needed that. You know what I mean? It's a it was a lesson they needed to learn in in Green Bay that that now they're more like mentally prepared for the playoffs. Um, but the Vikings are, are a good team. I mean, the Cowboys are still favored in this game. Uh, yeah. A lot of them were very confused, I, I guess to give a, <laughs> the Vikings have just been a weird team. They've won a lot of games in the fourth quarter. Advanced stats do not like the Vikings at all. That's why they're not loved by Vegas. Vegas has not really given them a lot of love. I mean, if you look at their wins, the Bills win was great. I absolutely hand that one to them. Even beating the Packers, kicking their ass week one. Although the Packers kind of stink, even though they beat us, they they just had some really weird games. They were down double digits to Washington, who they snuck out a win. They were down double digits to the Bills, they snuck out a win. They've had multiple games where they, to their credit, kind of the opposite of what we did. They've just found ways. If you keep them alive, and we do the same shit we did to the Packers, the Vikings will beat you. They're just one of those teams that believes if they can get you into the fourth quarter, shit's going to bounce their way. Whether it's some yep. weird, freaky Josh Allen fumble or Justin Jefferson making a hell of a catch or, you know, I think Heineke threw two picks late um, to to really help in that one. But I it is weird that we're favored. I guess I, I think it'll be a pick on by game kinds. It's minus one. We're not really favored yeah. that much, but yeah. Um. And this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be an interesting game. They are coming off of this like really emotional overtime win against the Bills. We're coming off of a really emotional overtime loss against Green Bay. Um, I would love to see the Cowboys bounce back here. This would be huge, um, you know. But the Vikings are not without weapons. You know, the not only do you have to figure out covering Justin Jefferson, but they also have Adam Thielen, who's no slouch. Dalvin Cook has rushed for 730 yards and six touchdowns this year. Uh, and Kirk Cousins, for all the shit he takes, he's a pretty consistent guy. I mean, he's been, he is, he has definitely beat a lot of teams. And as I'm sure you're aware, no team has ever won a Super Bowl in the same year they've lost to Kirk Cousins. I know the Bills, Kirk, like the Kirk curse. Yeah, dude, they got the Kirk curse. It's over. Like Josh Allen might as well just take the rest of the year off and heal because they're not winning it. So, yeah, but this is a, another even, you, even ESPN gives. I know we always talk about how that their their analytics department and their matchup predictor thing is yeah, so weird. Fifty seven percent Dallas, which is a weird one. I mean, maybe they think the Cowboys are gonna be pissed and blah blah blah. I don't know. I I will say this: a part of me during that game thought I wish we had had Zeke. I felt like having. I, I felt like having someone to go get tough yards on third and short, um, having any better. Really good, though. I, I, I thought so, too. I guess maybe it came from a place of not having Zeke made them not run as much as I wanted them to. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe they just weren't going to run regardless of who they had. But I felt like they didn't run the ball enough despite being pretty successful with it. And I thought they overutilized the pass. Um, I think if it – I think if if – if if I may, I think what you're trying to say is Zeke brings a certain toughness to Dallas that doesn't seem to be there when he's yeah. Good. I would as say that's good accurate. As, is, as good as Davis is, and you know, like Dez was kind of that guy. Like no one else besides Zeke is going to bring that sort of 
Smash really the down. only thing he brings anymore, right? Like just yeah, just pure toughness. He's gonna make he's gonna pound someone, he's gonna run someone over, he's gonna he's gonna get real physical with the guy who's coming to blitz, right? Like he For sure. He he brings an element that without him it I don't want to say Dallas is soft. I would just say they're they're a little more of a finesse team. They're a finesse team. Yes, they definitely are. They definitely are. And he's he's the one guy who can kind of give you a little something different. So, so do you think? Uh, where, 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 how do you think this uh, this goes, Ben? You think the Cowboys w- pull this one out, or do you think we're destined to drop two in a row? Boy, I don't know. I I guaranteed this as a win early in the season. Um, because we really have owned Kirk Cousins. Cooper Rush and company beat him last year. Yep. This was a really weird loss for us. They're coming off a really big win. They're 8-1. and one. I don't think anyone, including Minnesota fans, would expect them to be 8-1. and one. It's one of those where I don't think they're as good as their record says they are. They've, they've, But, I mean, I don't know who is, right? It's been a really kooky NFL season, right? For the sure. Bucks are supposedly good. They're 500. The Packers are below 500. The Rams are below 500. I mean, even the... 49ers whoever wants to christen are like five and four like it just it, it's a really strange year so you have to give the vikings a ton of credit they've been really really dynamite in the fourth quarter um that said like there it might be a little bit of fool's gold so i i yeah. think it i think it is a toss-up you're going to be playing unfortunately not during prime time because cousins always loses prime time but they're they're designed to beat you probably in a way that Green Bay was too. You know, they can run Dalvin Cook and Madison on the outside yep. all day if they want to. Justin Jefferson, they can just put him on the side where Diggs isn't. And even if Diggs is on him, Justin Jefferson is so good. Yeah, he's gonna, absolutely. He's, he's getting away with everyone. So it really is, can you make, Cousins has about two throws a half that just are what the fuck moments. And that's what you have to take advantage of. As good as he can be, as good as his end result numbers are, he's usually a very consistently good quarterback. He will make one to two to three really bonkers throws. Maybe even you could say that about Dak. But I think that's where they're going to have to take advantage. They're going to have to get a couple turnovers on this Vikings team. Defensively, I don't know. Minnesota's been okay. You know, it doesn't seem like they're an incredible defense, but they're... I don't know. They're they're very they're a team that's eight and one that feels like they should probably be six and three, like we are maybe. I I so. really I really hope that I mean Diggs did a great job on Jefferson last year. He held him to, we held them to two it's for worst 21. game of the season. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's lowest game of the season. So, man, I'm looking at the box score from last year. I'm just I drool over our offense last year. We had two 100 yard receivers and an 80 yard receiver with a backup this game QB. last year with a backup QB. Yeah, just. Now, the rushing game didn't do shit. We gave Pollard seven touches. He got 26 yards, and Zeke had 16 for 50. So, like, we were not running the ball at all. But through the air, Coop, Lamb, and Wilson all got it done. Wilson hit the 73-yard home run. Lamb and and Coop both were just dropping dimes. So, yeah, I guess we we, I definitely, we definitely got to hope that Lamb shows up again. Pollard, we needed another big game from um, defensively. Man, I just don't. I'm so worried about Dalvin Cook. But part they're of me only, does. They're only running for like a hundred yards a game, though. I know. He's I know. Had, if you look, but at everyone, but everyone runs well really better against us than everybody else. Like we are dramatically weak. I I will say this. I told I told my dad this the other day. It would be so Dallas 
to go out and look super impressive in this game to like beat them really convincingly so that it's like a whether it's true or not convince everyone that the the green bay was a fluke and that this is like oh no they're actually really good and then like go shit the bed against the giants on thanksgiving or something like that would be so dallas um you know so i do get the a weird feeling that we are going to win this game i, I it's so hard for me to predict a score probably like a 27 24 type thing um but i do i do have a weird feeling we're gonna win this game just just if we had if we had beat green bay i'm sure i would think the same thing because i'd be so confident but for some reason like the nature of dallas is that they never will let me go like i they they'll never suck enough unless it was like a catastrophic qb injury or something like they never suck enough for me to just like fully like disconnect and so I get the feeling that they're going to like go win this game and like right just when I want to like break this abusive relationship up, they pull me back in. I think so. You know, I was looking at DVOA, which is another advanced stat that people, there's like two stats I always hear in podcasts and the analytics world bring up, which is like EPA, expected points added, and then DVOA, which is defense adjusted value over average it's essentially how good are you compared to the rest of the league and the opponents you've played for instance dallas is fourth in dvoa 12th in offense second in defense third in special teams it kind of tracks that's that's kind of the offense may even be high but the defense has been pretty good really dominant at times despite the packers game you know the bills are first in dvoa the eagles are second just for comparison so you know that kind of takes into our priors I just wanted to look at Minnesota. They're 17th in DVOA. They're 17th in offense. They're 18th in defense, and they're 25th in special teams. Like it's just bizarre. It's just a very bizarre team to be. That's what why the analytics year, world in, in Vegas doesn't really respect the Vikings. But look, to quote the great Bill Parcells, "You are what your record says you are." The record yep. says this is a really good team. They're fighting for the one seed in the NFL. They're playing with a whole lot of confidence, and so. You know, dude, they have, per, they have Kirk Duggins at the helm, dude. Yeah. Like that dude gets off the bus like chain chains heavy, dude. Drippy as fuck, iced out. His back hurts from carrying all that ice, dude. <laughs> That's Perk Thuggins, dude. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I I really don't know what to expect. And I had the same talk with our buddy who's a Vikings fan. I I I have a rule in betting, and I don't I break a lot of my rules, but one that I that I've learned over and over again that I never touch. And you remember, Andy, is we never bet the Vikings and we never fade the Vikings. They're just, they're a really, really hard team to ever get a pulse on. They have a new head coach in Kevin O'Connor. Doesn't really look like they've quite figured out his offense, but at the same time, it's definitely made life a little easier. I just don't. Sure. And when they just have so much talent, when you have a guy as good as Jefferson and shit, like, that covers up a lot of. And look, they traded for Hawkinson. He's a good tight end. Um, yep. Dalvin Cook and Madison are good. The, the only thing that I think helps Dallas a little is, you know, Cousins is, I won't say statuesque, but he's not going to beat you with his legs. Even Rodgers might beat you with his legs a little bit more to manipulate the pocket. Um, although Cousins is weirdly good under pressure, so I don't I don't really know. Like I said, this team just doesn't make sense a lot when you just look at numbers. So I think it's going to be a, a coin flip game. It's one if you win, you feel great about. If you lose, it's not the end of the world of those six and will definitely have you feeling like you gotta beat the Giants on Thanksgiving which maybe you feel that way anyway but yeah 
I don't I don't know where you even want to go with the uh, uh predictions here, but I'm I'm almost all over the map. The Vikings are really hard to for me to get. I, like I said, man, I, I gotta go gut and my gut tells me the Cowboys just being the weird ass team they are, like just for the sake of not being able to pin down their identity, I think that I think they win this one. Um last year they won twenty to sixteen, almost identical team. Same cast of characters we're going to face on Sunday afternoon, but we had Cooper Rush, and we managed to win this one 20-16. I think defense is better. I think we have Dak. Uh, I think they, I hope that they have learned, they learned some things about themselves playing against the Packers and that we see a rejuvenated, like, fire lit under them version of this Cowboys team, and they go out there and win. So I think they win this one. That's what I'm saying. 27-24. I'm going to continue to believe they can beat Kirk Cousins. And so I will also take them in a close one. I'm going to say a 23 to 20 game. Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, man, this is going to be fun. But we'll uh we'll have to see if they we'll be going into the Thanksgiving week. Uh the Cowboys will either be 7 and 3 or 6 and 4, which feels very different. You know what I mean? Those are two very different records. Like at 7 and 3, you feel like you're right in the heat of the race for winning the division. At 6 and 4, you're like, "Oh man, we're one game above 500." Like this is a here and there year. So Gonna be interesting. A lot, a lot seems to be riding on this game from just my uh, my mental health standpoint. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited. I'm right there with you, man. Um, for what it's worth, five thirty eight gives the Vikings a one point favorite. They think it is a fifty four forty six. So essentially, man, up until up until like I, I was looking at five thirty eight last week, and until we lost that uh, <laughs> the Green Bay game, they were like, yeah, the Cowboys are gonna win every game for the rest of the year. Like, we were favored in every single game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, you know, Our Super Bowl odds went down to 9% too, which makes me a sad goat. Yeah, Vikings are 11. I don't look. I was going to look at what they what 538 has us uh, for this Giants game. Okay, we're still a full touchdown and a half favorite against the Giants. Yes. That'll change if we lose to the Vikings significantly, I'm sure, but... Yeah, I mean, hey, dude, it is the Cowboys. Well, I think the Giants suck, too. The Giants are like a mini version of the Vikings, where the Vikings actually have a lot of good players, and I don't understand how the Giants win because they don't have any good players. But Dude, because they're a tough blue-collar team from Jersey, yeah, dude. Yeah. Right. I mean, shit, that's what, honestly, that's what the Titans do, except I really respect at this point Yeah, Grable's ability to win. Like they, they look so ugly every week, and all they do is find ways to win games. Hey. Shit, they almost beat the Chiefs with Derrick Henry single-handedly, and Malik Willis, who might have played the worst quarterback of any season, against Mahomes, who might have had one of his best games of his career, and they inked out an overtime win. They uh, five thirty-eight thinks will like they think that the the Colts are better than the Giants. Like we're favored by six and a half against the Colts and seven and a half against the Giants. This is a very strange. Well, so we'll see, we'll see, but we'll be back. Uh, next week right before the thanksgiving holiday to review this uh vikings matchup hopefully zach love will rejoin us hmm. um i'm sure i'm i'm sad he couldn't he didn't i mean I'm, I'm like i said i'm jealous he he didn't have to watch this game i'm also sad because i'm sure he would have had some amazing hot takes uh about how Dak sucks and isn't the guy so i'm sad we didn't get to have that fight on the air 
I wish, man. That would have been. Hey, there's always next week. Ben, anything else before we get out of here? No, just uh, you know, remind everyone it's not uh, it's not all doom and gloom. Six and threes, probably. You could have sold a lot of tickets to me. Sold a lot of money. Made a lot of money off me selling a six and three ticket on absolutely fifteenth. So, and you know what? Just like be be happy for what we do have. You know, like this is the first podcast we've done since takeoff passed away. You never know when life will be cut short. Many are asking, why did Drake do this, and how long will he keep getting away with this? Just first X, now take off. I don't know why we've allowed Drake to just continue this reign of terror in the rap game, but... (sighs) Tune into these TikToks to... Yeah, dude, I've got a sick sick rap conspiracy TikTok account as a... (laughs) 33-year-old father, dude. That's what the that's what the public wants. Just a 33-year-old white man breaking down like, I so bad, so X, he, so we get this. He has a right So let me tell you, Drake, but Drake doesn't even, Drake doesn't even show up to the court date, right? Like, he could have come and said, hey, this kid's cool, but he doesn't do that. So obviously, he killed him, dude. Like, for real. On God, fam. Because it's TikTok, so I use all the... There, there are three... Figures when you hear Jay Prince, there is Jay Prince, his son Jazz Prince, and his other son Jay Prince Jr. Here are their affiliations. <laughs> I myself am uh, not affiliated with Bob Ties, although I I would be willing to to audition. So uh, Jay, if you're out there, uh, you know, hit me up, <laughs> as the kids say. Oh, but for real, as always, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you like what you heard, please feel free to like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating. Uh, we will be back, like we said, next week to review what is hopefully a uh, bounce-back win for the Dallas Cowboys over the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, we'll get you your fill of all Cowboys news before we go into the Thanksgiving showdown with the New York Giants. As always, folks, I'm Andy Catelli. Benjamin Walker. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. Take it easy. Peace.